Hey there! Are you interested in getting access to the recordings of my monthly masterclass hangouts, where we do deep dives into different travel hacking programs? If so, please check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash travel. Patreon members will also get to vote on the charity of the month, because in case you didn't already know, all of the GeoBreeze travel income gets earmarked for donations to different nonprofits. That includes the income from the monthly hangouts, coaching services, and credit card affiliate signups. Links to all of those are available in the show notes. This week's Patreon shoutout goes out to Samantha. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. The reason why I love books so much is that I don't have to think about SEO. I don't have to think about the algorithm and how it's going to be in my favor or not in my favor. All I have to think about is how can I best serve my list, my reader? How can I best serve the person who has invested money into the, this transformation? Um, and also a book is a really good calling card. So whenever I speak at conferences, I pitch my book or I give my book away. And that, again, allows people to know, like, and trust me so much faster because I'm showing them how to do something. Like once you learn how to travel, you can't unlearn that, right? So it's a really big, it's a really big gift. Hello, travel hackers. You just heard a clip from Danielle Desir. Danielle is an author, speaker, podcaster, and founder of The Thought Card, an award-winning affordable travel and personal finance blog and podcast empowering financially savvy travelers to make informed financial decisions. Danielle paid off $63,000 of student loan debt in four years and purchased her first home at the age of 27. Having traveled to 27 countries and four continents, Danielle strongly believes in not letting your financial responsibilities hold you back from pursuing your dreams. In this episode, we discuss how Danielle got started with affording travel, monetizing her blog, and growing her brand into more than a dozen income streams, which include sponsored travel, book sales, podcast coaching, and more. Additionally, Danielle mentions that one of her favorite streams of income is being an affiliate for products that she loves. One of my favorite travel hacking products that I've talked about on the show before is the Card Pointers app, which you can hear all about in episode 19, and this app simply answers the question, what card should I even use for this purchase? And I am so excited to announce that I get to be an affiliate for them now. Check out the link in the show notes or use the code GeoBreeze for a free three-day trial to the pro version, which includes even more features. And now, on with the show. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here because I absolutely love your story and I'm a huge fan of how many different cool streams of income that you have been able to generate just based off of being a um, savvy traveler. So let's go through your, your story. And before we even get into all of the travel hacking and all of the different money-saving tips that you have for listeners today, just tell us a little bit about, about yourself. What's your background and how did you get into the game? Yeah. So like you mentioned, I have a very windy story, but I'll keep it concise. So I am pretty much, I would say that I've been traveling since I was a really little kid. My family has 
always gone back to Haiti every single summer. And that's where my interest in travel, my exposure to travel first started. Now, fast forward, I kind of gave up travel and I, I didn't really value it as a teenager and as a young adult. But then it reemerged again when I became, I was in actually college and you have like study abroad programs and spring break opportunities. And then money became a question, like, where are we going to have all this money to fund these kind of things? So I wanted to study abroad to go to Paris. And what happened was that we were thinking about it, but I couldn't afford the trip because we were losing our home to foreclosure and also was outside of scope of our financial aid package. So even though I said, no, I didn't, I couldn't go to that trip. I made a really uh, strong vow to myself that I would always find a way to make travel a financial priority in my life. And even like 12 years later, here we are, like I'm still doing that same, keeping that same vow to myself. So from then I really focused and doubled down on being a financially savvy traveler, really making sure that I'm making informed financial decisions, everything that I do, but also not only focusing on just travel, but how do I afford the life that I want, right? How do I pay off my student loan debt? How do I become a homeowner? How do I become financially independent, become location independent? So over the years, I'm always thinking about how can I do something and not that it's closed off to me. It may be closed off to me right now, but it's always about thinking ahead and seeing a way when sometimes there is no way. So that's a little bit of my background. And through that, I've really become specialize in cheap flights. So I really, really love finding cheap flights. I'm really big on saving for saving for travel and also travel hacking as a way to kind of push the envelope of where I can go and things I can do. So which of those things did you do first when you were trying to do your first trip when you were in college, spring break or something and said, here's where I want to go. This isn't in the budget. How did you approach that first trip? Yeah. So in college, I actually didn't go anywhere special. So it wasn't until after graduate school where I I had my first full-time job that I was able to save for my first trip to Paris. And it took me about a year to save up funds for that. I didn't know anything about travel hacking. So it was kind of like a a slow grind. But I do think that it created a foundation for me to know there's a formula here. You save for something and you're able to go ahead and take that trip later. So I'm really grateful for it. But now there's, I know so many different ways that I can afford that now. But in the beginning, it took me a year to save for that first trip to Paris. And I remember before I booked that trip, my mom was like, well, why don't you just delay and wait? I was like, no, you work so hard to you know save all of these coins for this one experience. And I ended up going to Paris in 2014 I spent a week solo in Paris and I actually did a a day trip out to Brussels. And that truly is what launched me to actually become a content creator uh, because I realized like, oh my gosh, I can't unsee what I just saw. Paris is amazing. I want to share this with everyone. I want to share how I did it. And that really is what spiraled into starting a blog and then all the other uh, creative ventures I've done since then. That's amazing. And, And after going to Paris and then Belgium... At what point were you like, I have to do this again and again? And then how does that kick off the journey for learning about different cheap flights and everything else? Yeah, it was right after. It was like, I think I was like on the plane. I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm just going to just do this once a year. I need to figure out a way for me to do this multiple times a year. So one of the sites that I actually was following around the 2014, 2015 timeframe is thriftytraveler.com. 
And that is like my one of my favorite sites for travel hacking when I was learning about travel hacking and also cheap flights. And, and soon after, they actually created this uh, flight deal service notification, which opened my eyes. So it's it's sort of like when you have an interest in something and you start really diving, like just reading and diving deeper into it, that resource opens up the doors for other resources. So after I discovered Thrifty Traveler, then I discovered so many other ones like Secret Flying and all these other airfares and mistake fares. And then I became hooked and I was like, okay, the story is it is that I only have a limited amount of funds every year that I can go to travel. How can I reduce my costs on the things that I don't value and turn up the dial on the things that I do value and maybe even go on more than one trip a year, right? So when I first started in 2014, I could only afford one trip a year. But then by 2015 and on, I was going on multiple trips a year because I was spending wisely, spending less on things I didn't value and going one more places. Cool. And so at this point, you know how to find all of the cool cheap flights. When did it kick in of, and then credit card points can get you even more of these things for free? Yeah, I think I discovered it through the points guy. And I was like, wow, there's just a lot that I can do when it comes to going further and being smart and spending less of my money so I can go on more trips. Now, I would say that I kind of did it the wrong way because I didn't follow the 524 rule, which I like was X out of like for years. But also, I didn't really truly understand that, yes, you can put things on your credit card, but you have to pay it off in a timely manner. And if you don't pay it off, it starts accumulating and snowballing, and now you're deep into credit card debt. So for a long time, I would say a couple of years, for a while, like I was just constantly opening new cards, which is great, but I was also getting myself into credit card debt and not really thinking about how I could use credit cards as a debit card. So once I discovered like, hey, if you act and think like a credit card is a debit card and you pay it off as quickly as possible, maybe even that same day, you can limit your uh, exposure to having to go through this vicious debt cycle. So yeah, I I was exposed to it pretty early, but it wasn't the prettiest picture. And I, I would just, again, recommend making sure you know what you're getting into and being able to pay it off regardless of the lucrative sign-up bonuses or, you know, being able to earn points and miles throughout the throughout the year. When you were locked out of five over 24, what cards were you getting then at that time? Yeah, I was getting like the Barclays cards, American Express cards. Like I, I was really big on Delta, uh, Delta, Delta's uh, gold card. And then I upgraded to the the platinum. So I was just finding other other cards that that would allow me to still earn points and miles without necessarily without because I was already blocked away from the 524 rule. So I was like, I was just gonna keep going. Like if I already blocked, I'm just going to keep going until I can. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I did a lot of, I did a lot of airlines. So I pretty much got all the cards for the airline companies like JetBlue, American Airlines and Delta. Those are the ones that I fly the most with. So I figured I'd just go with those for a while. When you were first getting into opening all of these cards, what mistakes did you make other than you didn't pay it off? And then you you found out the interest racks up really quick on a lot of these cards. Any other mistakes that you made where you were like, hey, kids, don't do this. Hey, kids, don't open up a card and not know when the sign-up bonus ends, like that that three-month period. Don't do that. Don't do that. I remember 
I had opened up a really lucrative Barclays card. I can't remember the name now, but I missed it. And I missed the sign up bonus. And I called them. I was like, please. They're like, nobody. No, 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 no. So that made me realize, like, of course, like number one, knowing the time frame you have. Number two, having a spending plan. Because when I was younger, I didn't, I couldn't, like $3,000 in three months was a lot still, like to actually spend. And I didn't have a plan for that. I didn't know, okay, I'm getting this card and it's going to be a, for a specific goal to go to a specific place and do a specific thing. Or I didn't have a goal. I just wanted to open a card and get up sign up bonuses without being intentional. So that led me to get cards that I didn't utilize as much because I wasn't strategic. That hurts. Oh, gosh. Oh, I hurts. feel it. In, I see it in your face. You're like, that does hurt. It does. It does. It's like, oh, that sucks. It's like a free oh. trip that you just kind of said, nah, nah, forget it, you know? Yeah. If you're getting 50, 60, 100,000 points on a given point currency and you just suddenly don't get that when you sign up for the card because you missed the sign up bonus, oh, that hurts. It does. It does. So... Once you were able to get all of these points from different sign-up bonuses, um, just earning on the card, what were some of the first trips that you were able to redeem your points and miles and say, oh, I actually get to travel for free now? Yeah. So one of like the most memorable ones is me and my best friend. We went to a two-week trip to Europe where I actually flew with Delta and I used my entire Delta sign-up bonus. I think it was like 60,000 miles. I just dropped that and I was able to go to Italy And we took some connecting flights to Croatia. And for me, it's like, wow, I did not have to spend like that. I was also traveling in the summertime, July. So I did not have to spend over a grand on flights. I was like, there's, this is amazing. This is truly, truly, truly amazing. How can I continue to do, to do more of this? And over the years, I would say that I'm, I'm definitely that friend where my friends are like, Hey, can you find us the flights? Can you, can you like, show us what we have to do to get it done. So there's over the years, I've done so many different opportunities. I take my friends with me. I'll say, you know what, give me the cash and I'll pay for it with points because it's like cheaper Like anyway. So I do fun things like that. And sometimes I'm even able to like take my parents to go on vacation, go with my mom somewhere because of the points and miles and not having to spend that on, you know, airfare. I could spend it on other things. Very cool. And as you were going to Italy and all of these other places, were you already into blogging at this point? I was already into blogging at this point. Yeah. So that added, it adds like a little bit of like excitement because it's like, oh, I'm I'm going to be here. I definitely want to capture and create content. And then if possible, if I could work with a destination or work with a brand, then I loved that too. Because again, that's like maybe you don't have to spend on, let's say, food. So I remember when I was in Rome, I was working with this food company. It's pretty much like a food tour company. And they pretty much gave us this this app and they were like, just go ahead and use the app for the day. And we covered all of your meals at all the places. So I love that because again, that's like another savvy way. Like as a content creator, I work with brands, I can get free things, I can get paid for it and also create content for my audience. So I, I definitely was utilizing my blog and making sure I was documenting as many things as possible. How did you grow your blog in the beginning from going on that first Paris trip where you were like, I want to get into blogging and content creating 
And what what is this, a year or two later where you're suddenly working with brands and then they're paying you to create content? Walk us through that journey a little bit. Yeah. So when I first started my blog, thoughtcard.com, it was a lifestyle, random thoughts, musings blog. But then one day I had written an article about like the five ways that I'm paying off my debt faster. And that took off. And once that took off, I realized that there weren't a lot of people in my inner circle that were talking about their student loans, talking about money and sharing their real numbers. But I also had this travel aspect that I love too. So that really inspired me to keep travel and money together. And since then, like since 2015, when I decided I was going to do travel and money, I've been doing this ever since. And it it really ties my passions in together. Now, I would say what helped me to grow my blog is actually investing in going into a conference. So I went to my first blogging, travel blogging conference. It cost $600, which was a lot of money, right? And I remember my partner at the time was like, why are you investing in something? This is a hobby. I was like, yeah, it's a hobby, but I need to grow this. I want to make it. I want to actually do something. So once I went to the conference, I had much more structure. I had a path. I had things to do, things that I should avoid. And that really helped me to get focused and tap into a network of other travel bloggers that were doing bigger things that I was doing. And I had like mentors and things like that. So I think that's really what helped me getting direction, investing in myself and knowing that I wanted to take this seriously and then being consistent. So I was always adamant about not looking at other travel bloggers and comparing myself to them because I knew that I was working full-time, I had different financial goals, and I can't be gallivanting everywhere. What I could do, though, is be consistent. I could write one article a week, every Friday, and that was my success. I was like, if I could do one article a week, I was successful. And that over time, like 52 articles a year, that adds up and that adds up and learning about search engine optimization and how Google could help you. That really helped. But I would say first and foremost, investing in myself. And for me, I'm never afraid to invest in myself because I know I'm going to make that money back. It's not expense. It's an investment. Awesome. And so from your blogging journey, when did that turn into also a, an author journey? Because now you've, you've written some books and then there's also the podcast. So how did you start branching into different platforms for content creation? Yeah, I had always wanted to be a podcaster, but I was very nervous about doing it by myself. So I had asked a friend of mine, like, hey, would you be interested in doing this with me? And he was like, yeah, of course, but it never happened. So I kind of like let that dream die a slow death. But by 2018, I was applying to podcasting gigs and kind of seeing if I could make this happen. I actually also founded this community, Women of Color Podcasters, and that community helped to really push me to get started. And what I did in the beginning was truly read out my articles on my blog. I was so nervous to like talk. I just read out my articles and I was like, I'm going to repurpose what I did before and just share it on my podcast. And if you listen to episode two, why I need a travel fund. It's literally me reading it with inflections in my voice. So it was just simply, it was that simple. But I wanted to start a podcast because I knew that I wanted to reach a wider audience. I had a feeling that with audio, I could just do more. I could pump out things faster. One, because I'm a, I'm a fairly, I, I'm a good writer, but I'm a slower writer. So it takes me time to you know, formulate thoughts and things like that. So I was like, if I can talk, I think it will be better and easier. 
now and at the same time while I'm podcasting, I'm being a guest on a bunch of different shows and people are asking me the same questions over and over again. Like, how do you afford to travel? Like, how are you saving for travel? How are you doing these things while paying off debt and all the things? And I said, you know what? People are asking me the same question over and over. Why don't I say goodbye to Google and actually create a product, create a book where I can put everything that I want in one place? Take my readers from step by step from A to Z, all about how I do it in my process. And that's where I really, really honed in on self-publishing. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do be a self-published author and really go and do this. But before that, actually, I skipped this one important step is that I was actually um, approached to write an Iceland travel guide first. So with that, it was under a small house publisher, which helped me to understand the author process, understand how to write a book. Cause they gave me everything. They're like, here's the outline and the deadline. So I think having a publisher is good if you need structure. But from that first publishing deal, I was able to go ahead and just go ahead and self-publish. Cause I was like, I don't need to self-publish. I, don't, I can do it myself. There's no need to have someone giving me deadlines and stuff. I can do this. But my affording travel book took off and it be, it's become a staple of my brand, right? So if you are thinking about writing a book, I would say write a book on something that is in line with your brand and that you can hand it over to someone and they're like, it's exactly what you know he or she does. This is exactly what I needed to learn. And then from there, you can always branch them off to other topics and other books. So that's pretty much how I started. Blogging was the foundation to writing books, Right. Because I had been writing books for uh, writing for years on my blog, all it took was just saying I'm going to write the book, and I just did it, and that's how I started. I love the entire <laughs> message of this: of just get started with something, just write some blog articles that nobody reads at first, or if you want to start a podcast, just read, just read something and record yourself doing it, and. Probably nobody listens to the first couple of episodes when when you first launch a podcast. Mine's weird because episode two is one of the most played episodes. But um, <laughs> in the beginning ones, all the single digit episodes, you're not going to get as many plays. So just getting started. And then eventually, how did the Iceland place find you? They just found you through your blog? So a friend of mine on Instagram had like shared shared this opportunity with me and she was like, Hey, I think you would be a good fit for it. So the publishing house is, it's a publishing house for black women travelers. And they were specifically looking for unique destinations. And I was like, well, you know, I don't think there's a lot of black women talking about visiting Iceland. Right. So I pitched them and they loved it. And another, another tip here is that I repurposed a lot of my blog articles. Like I have dozens of blog articles on my blog on Iceland. So I wasn't starting from scratch because I was very familiar with the topic. So whenever possible, if you know you want to write a book in the future, I would say to write articles on your blog and it could be random, right? It doesn't have to be the entire A, a to Z formation and step, but write articles on your blog. And then when you're ready to write, you have a basis to start off of. It's not fresh. The times I'm writing books that I've never written anything about it, it takes me so much longer than having a base because I've already spent time writing articles beforehand. That's a really good point too. And especially even with podcasters too, who want to become authors. I went to a conference once where they were like, 
your first book can just be like, here's 10 really cool stories that we found while podcasting. So you can repurpose those, that content too. re-interview some people in more of a, a chapter format and say like, my book's going to be 10 chapters of the 10 best stories that I had on my podcast. And you can go from there. And, you know, I mentioned this a little bit beforehand about Google. The reason why I love books so much is that I don't have to think about SEO. I don't have to think about the algorithm and how it's going to be in my favor or not in my favor. All I have to think about is how can I best serve my list, my reader? How can I best serve the person who has invested money into this, this transformation? And also a book is a really good calling card. So whenever I speak at conferences, I pitch my book or I give my book away. And that, again, allows people to know, like, and trust me so much faster because I'm showing them how to do something. Like once you learn how to travel, you can't unlearn that, right? So it's a really big, it's a really big gift. Cool. How do you market your book most of the time? Do you, is this mostly just through Amazon or you're marketing it by doing all of these conferences? Yeah. So it's great to be on Amazon because Amazon is a huge search engine and there's like millions of people on there who are searching for books and reading books. However, I would still recommend for you to create your own author platform. So I have my books listed on daniellezio.com and each book has its own page. And I try to make sure to like add photos and testimonials. And whenever I am promoting my book, I'm promoting my page on my website. And on my website, there's various different links because not everyone wants to shop at Amazon. So you could have Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Kobo and all the other places. So making sure that you're distributing your book widely is so important. So people have more options to purchase. And what I've discovered more recently is that if possible, host it on your own website or use your own service where you can deliver your book out because sometimes people just want to support you. They just want to be able to be like, I want to buy the book from the author and not go through a third party. And I want you to get all the monies. Because if you use another platform like Amazon, you only get like 70% of, of the profits. And people are very wise to that nowadays. So one of the platforms that I like to use is Buy Me a Coffee. So Buy Me a Coffee has an ability where you can sell your books, your digital products, and even discount it for your supporters and members. So I really, I'm always looking for new ways for me to be the front person who selling the book, not always having a third party. That's so cool. You have so many different streams of income now from content creation. And I feel like they all kind of help feed off of each other where if you're on your podcast, you can talk about your book and then you through your book, you're mentioning your blog and your blog mentions a whole bunch of other things. How many streams of income do you have? And can you list them all off? Yeah, I think I have about 12. And under each 12, each of them, there's like a bunch of them. So let's say for example, an affiliate, I'm an affiliate, right? Affiliate meaning that I get a, a commission, I get a cut every time I make a sale or recommend some a product to someone. But under the affiliate label, I have like maybe 20 products that I do that for. So that's example for one of them. And I would say if you're, let's say, want to do affiliate income, really focus on the affiliates that provide you the most income, Right. So I'm not going to be motivated to promote something actively through Amazon because I'm only going to get pennies versus if, if I promote something else, I may get $30 or $300 or $500. So I'm always thinking about, okay, 
how can I become an affiliate for a product that I love that pays a decent amount so that I can actually make a living from this, right? So that's very, very important. So what are some of your favorite things to be an affiliate for? Are you mostly affiliates for tour companies or which of these have you found to be the most lucrative for you to sell through your site? Yeah. So for example, Thrifty Traveler Premium, the flight deal service that I talk about all the time. I asked them, I said, Hey, listen, I love your product. I even written a blog post about it. And I'm like, Hey, do you have an affiliate program? So don't be afraid to ask these companies if they have an affiliate program and they may actually create it for you. So I became an affiliate of Thrifty Traveler Premium and they have a really good payout. So every time I do mention it, then I do get a cut. And it's a a product that I love, a product that I use every single day. So I would say find products that you love, that you like. There are also ad networks where you can join an ad network and you'll get access to like hundreds of companies that you can like you know, talk to these people and and build a relationship with them through. But if possible, if you can have a connection, like talk to the founder or have a connection with someone on their team, I think that's the best. And then also document your success too, because over time, if you're doing really well as an affiliate, you can say, listen, can you increase my rate? Like, can you bump me up? And they, I mean, if you're doing really well, you may be able to do that. And the last thing I would say about that is also just think about the content that you're creating and the relevance of your affiliate relationships. So just because I'm an affiliate and I get, let's say, $200 for a product, I'm not pumping it out everywhere. I'm pumping it out to the places that's most relevant that is in line. So if let's say if I'm talking about Thrifty Traveler, it's only going to be in the context of flights and things like that. It's not going to be tell me your debt story and I just throw in thrifty travel and it doesn't make any sense. Right. So it's really making sure it's relevant and just letting people know like, Hey, this is an option and, and it could really help you because it helps me. All right. What are the other 11? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have talked about affiliates. Book income is another income stream that I have also memberships. So because I created a podcasting company, I have a membership and now we actually moved from Uh, the free Facebook group to a paid community now. So now that is another income stream from there. Also speaking has been another income stream. I wouldn't say it's the fastest one, but I feel like once you kind of open the door, then the gates are open and you can't undo it. So that has been one of the the new ones that I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. Let's see what else. Sponsored content. So working with brands, working with travel brands or personal finance brands. And that's what's great about being a dynamic travel writer or personal finance writers because I have two angles. I have the personal finance angle and the travel angle. So I'm not limited to either one or the other. What else? Ooh, I wish I had the list here. But yeah, I would say those are... I think the membership is, has been, surprisingly, the one that is like blowing everything out of the water. And I only started the membership last year during the pandemic in May. So I would say as much as possible, think about passive income because even though it is active, like, yes, I do definitely do a lot of work, but some days I don't do anything and I'm still getting paid. So I think those are some of the good, good ones. And I can't remember the rest off the top of my head. I have a spreadsheet though that keeps track of everything because it gets a little crazy. It gets a little crazy. Because you get podcast ads too, right? Yes. Podcast ads is a new one. I would still say that's under that's under like sponsored content, right? And guess what? This is a tip. Even if you don't have a sponsor, you can still turn an affiliate and make your own ad on your podcast. So I'm always thinking about how can I, even if I don't have a formal relationship, 
you can still do that and you could showcase and say, hey, I did this ad for you. It sounds great, right? It's making us money, right? Okay, sponsor the podcast now. It's always something good to think through. That's awesome. And just the usual AdSense through Google on your blog. I would say that's like, yes, you can do, you can do ads, but I feel like that's very small. It's, it's not something I wouldn't, like if you want to start, like it's good to have it as passive income, but I was listening to a podcast yesterday and they were saying that there's just so many ways out there to make income online. So if you find that one isn't like your super strength, then move on to the next one. So I realized for me and my my, my site is really niche. So I don't have millions and millions of page views. So it's not going to be I'm not going to get a fat check, but memberships are really my bread and butter, right? So I focus on the income streams that really, really push me forward, but I still have the other ones going in the background. So um, be open to all the things and then see what ends up taking, you know, first place, second place, and then dialing dialing in on those things. You do private coaching too for people? Is that one of your streams? So this is a brand new stream. I actually decided this like two days ago because I celebrated my sixth year uh, blog anniversary a couple days ago. So it's been six years doing this. And then my friends were like, and even me, I was like, you know what? I think I want to do podcast coaching. Like, I think I have a membership about podcasting. I I lead a community. So why don't I just have one-on-one coaching? So it's something that I'm building out literally as we, as we speak now, but it's not, I can't say it's a full income stream yet. It's not a full income stream yet. These are so cool though. And I'm sure that all people who are listening to this right now are just like, there's so many ways to make money online, especially travel hacking is that intersection. As you mentioned, between you can make travel content, you can make personal finance content, the affiliate links for it pay quite well. So lots of different opportunities. If you're currently a hobbyist and thinking, oh, I might want to just do this as a content creator one day. Exactly. And speaking of travel hacking, what is your favorite trip that you've ever gotten to take for free using points and miles or even a sponsored trip that you've gotten to take for free as well? Oh, I would say that trip that we talked about to Italy and Croatia with my best friend, I think that was the most memorable because I was with like, my my best friend in the world and both of us had never like done a trip like that together and to have that covered was like amazing and also because i was doing a lot of pushing out content for airbnb a lot of our airbnb costs was also covered as well unfortunately they kind of stopped that referral program but that, that was a really good opportunity where it's like we were able to supplement like subsidize some of our Airbnb accommodation from all the recommendations I had done in the past too. So that's a really, really uh, fun, fun, fun one. Also, my mom and I, we love Bermuda. And Bermuda is actually like a, less than two hours away from New York City by flight. And it wasn't always that was that expensive to fly down. I mean, it's expensive when you get there, but it's not expensive to fly there. So we would usually maybe do like a long weekend and we would fly out to Bermuda on points. And then I was able to actually get a comp stay with a resort there. So it was like double comped. It was like truly all we had to worry about was like food and activities. And I think that was the most memorable again, because my mom, it's like you're able to have, have her there and take her on something special. That's so cool. What airline do you normally fly and what points currencies? How do you normally hack that? 
Yeah. So I'm really big on Delta Sky Miles. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's not that bad. But I, I use Drifty Traveler Premium to find those Sky Miles sales. So you'll be so surprised that they actually discount it. And that's actually the only place, maybe you know of other places that they share that. But Thrifty Traveler Premium, they share Delta Sky Miles sales. So whenever I see them, I'm like, oh, instead of spending, let's say, 60 on a flight to Europe, I may pay 40 or 35, right? And that is a really big deal. And that offers more valuation too. So that's one of the, the things that I do to, to really maximize my Delta Sky Miles. And I've I've actually been a really big fan recently of Capital One. I find the card rec really easy to use and the redemption super easy as well. And I would say my last strategy, especially during the pandemic, is that I've been focusing primarily on no-fee credit cards. So when I was sitting down and looking at my budget, they had a bunch of credit cards in my wallet that were duplicative. So it's like I had two or three American Airlines miles credit cards. I'm like, why do I have this? And I'm paying $100 on each one. Doesn't make any sense. So I shut down a lot of uh, credit cards that were duplicative. And now I have a lot of no fee credit cards that are just kind of like the base. And I also have a lot of pretty much the the valuation and the points and miles and how much I'm going to earn on my phone. So I kind of created like my own spreadsheet so that I, when I'm at the counter... I know what credit card to use. That is very important because you miss out on so many things when you're not organized. You could have a lot of credit cards, but you can be disorganized. So I have a nice little sheet that I created in my notes. Every time I'm at the grocery store, I'm the person that's delaying everyone online, looking at her her, her spreadsheet and what she did. So that's been really helpful. And then lastly is I've been keeping a really close eye on my inbox because there's so many offers that come through bonus offers in your inbox. And if you miss it, you're missing out on a lot of opportunity, especially during the pandemic. So hopefully that answered your question, but those are some of the strategies I've been using to kind of just get smart about everything. Nice. Have you ever heard of the card pointers app? I think it does what your spreadsheet is doing, except one guy codes it for you. There's an app. It's free. and you just ask it like, hey, what card should I use for this? It, it gives you different categories for like grocery or shopping or gas or something. And then you just click on the category and it says, based off of the cards in your wallet, you should use MX Platinum or something like that. I'm writing that down. Great tip. Great tip. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So with all of the different travel hacks and financially savvy traveler knowledge that you have amassed over the years, what would be your number one best piece of advice for listeners today? Yes. My best piece of advice is to lean into the things that light you up, lean into the things that you can just talk about endlessly and go after that. Because for me, I had a passion for travel, passion for personal finance, and I leaned into it. And I would can say six years later, this is kind of this, I morphed into this thing, right? But in the beginning, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really have an expectation. All I knew is I had an interest. So I would say lean into the things that light you up. And then secondly, is to know your travel style too. So the reason why I focus a lot of my effort on finding cheap flights is because I don't truly care about my in-flight experience, truly. I rather have a really nice hotel. I rather book a like book a car and do like this amazing road trip or 
excursions while I'm at a destination, but getting there is not a big deal for me. As long as I'm not like on spirit and I'm like vertical the whole time, I'm perfectly fine. So with that being said, knowing my travel style allows me to focus my energy on the things that I truly want. So I'll find a cheap flight or I'll, you know, travel hack to get that flight booked. And then I'll spend my finances and spend my money on the things I truly value. So knowing your travel style is very, very important. It can help you make more informed decisions. That makes sense. I think I'm the same way with flights versus hotels. I'd always rather have a fancy hotel than a fancy flight, but I'm also five foot one. So I don't care if I'm crammed. Yes. The economy, please. <laughs> like how tall are you? I'm five two, so I'm right there. Cram me in, cram me in. <laughs> yeah. So I think that might also be why so many of the different bloggers who are always talking about like, oh, look how I got into JetBlue Mint or like Emirates First Class or something like that. I'm like, you are all tall men. And I understand a little bit now more of your motivation if you're yes. flying all the way to Asia where you're like, I need a business class lay flat seat. I cannot be crammed in next to Julia. She's she's a foot shorter than I am. Yes, it's true. And my husband is like, he's six two. So I have to be kind of conscious like, oh, I can't do the things I used to do now with, you know, but the other thing for me is like the uh, amount that you spend on like a business class. It's like, I could have gone on multiple trips. So sometimes it's hard to justify like that expense, but Hey, if you have it, you have it. And it, again, it depends on your travel style. If you value that, then go ahead and 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 spend wisely. But for me, I rather, like you mentioned, get an amazing hotel. And that's why I'm actually turning a lot of my focus now into finding credit cards that match the hotel lifestyle that I like, right? That more lavish, that lavish spending there. Yeah, that's awesome that you're you know yourself so well. And you can say, here's what I want to focus on instead of being like, well, I saw somebody on Instagram who did this. So I want to do that, even though it's not really what I value. But everybody's staying at the Hyatt Paris Vendome. So I should stay at that hotel. I didn't even want to go to Paris, but whatever. (laughs) Like, don't be that person. Find out what you actually want and then go. Exactly. 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 Cool. And so we like to do shout outs on this show. Can you recommend another travel hacker that everybody should go check out for their awesome travel hacking tips? Yes. So I recommend two actually. So the first person I recommend is Lizette Austin. She has the blog Jet Set Lizette and the podcast, the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. I'm not sure she's podcasting still, but she's amazing. Like she has, she has accumulated over a million miles on repeats, rinse and repeat. So she's really great. And then I also recommend checking out Victoria M. Walker. She is a senior travel reporter at The Points Guy. And I saw her speak at a conference and she was sharing so much knowledge about like dining redemptions and some other strategies that I thought was like not the run of the mill. So I thought those two I would recommend. You can't go wrong with those two recommendations. Awesome. And where can we find you on the internet? Yes, a lot of places. But first and foremost, like definitely check me out on my podcast, The Thought Card Podcast. We talk all about travel money and making more money. Also, my blog, thoughtcard.com. That's another place that you can hang out and see what I'm up to. I'm very active on Instagram and Twitter. So my Instagram handle is at the Danielle Desir and my Twitter handle is at the thought card. So love to connect with you and let me know what stood out to you in this episode. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for coming on the show today. We have learned so much. <laughs> thank you again. It was a, it was a true pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!